Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer from Vivo. Welcome to Vivo Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. In segment number two, we're going to be joined by John Jansen, who does tremendous work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia, The Gambler. We are going to be taking a look at the NLEs, and we're going to be focusing on a little bit of the dominance of the Atlanta Braves. We're going to be taking a look at really the entirety of the division, what to expect from the Philadelphia Phillies the next few weeks, if they're going to be able to track down the Miami Marlins, and we're going to be taking a look at just really the landscape of the National League as well, to take a look at the playoff races that are currently going on, and whether or not a team like the San Diego Padres might be able to climb back into things as well. So we're going to be talking a lot of General National League with our good friend John in segment number two in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Buy that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Sunday with six games prior to the Sunday night game, all being decided by one run. So let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. Well, I'm going to look to be better with my DK Network write-up picks because I took the Twins on the money line and... Anyone that tailed me on this one, I sincerely do apologize. This was brutal. 2-1 to one, the final is for the Twins. They just couldn't get any offense generated. Sonny Gray was terrific. Six scoreless innings out of him. Griffin Jacks, scoreless inning. And then things go sideways in the eighth inning. You get an infield single that doesn't get past a pitcher from Adelie Rushman. And then Yohan Duran beans the winning run. Yep, a hit-by-pitch is how the Baltimore Orioles were able to win this game as for Baltimore, Cole Irvin gave up three walks, six hits, and five innings, but only surrenders one run. From there, the bullpen was dominant. CNL Perez, scoreless inning, Felix Bautista strikes out the side, and Brian Baker, two scoreless innings. And for the Twins over the last 30 days, fewest runs scored of any team in the big league. So 
That was a little bit less than savory. What is very savory, though, the Atlanta Braves just continue to mow them down. They have been playing darn near 60% of their home games to the over thus far this season. This one was one in which you got just barely over on 6-3, to three, the final for the Atlanta Braves. They get to Sandy Alcantara. He has really had a rough go of it. Four-plus runs given up in seven out of his last ten starts. Gives up four runs over the course of five innings, including a pair of bombs. Going deep off of him, Orlando Arcia, seventh home run season. Ozzy Albies, his 20th. And then off of Andrew Nardi, you had Travis Arno get home run number seven of the campaign at Spencer Strider. Not going to call it dominant. He gives up three runs, two of which were earned in six and two-thirds innings, but punched out nine. Did more than enough in this one. Rossi Iglesias, scoreless signing to be able to pick up his 14th save. And Ben Eller, A.J. Minter, they both give you a scoreless signing. As for Nardi, he gives up two runs in his inning of work. Dylan Floral launch A.T. Chargois. They were both able to land a scoreless signing as well. All season long, the New York Yankees have been a very good under team. And guess what? They played yet another under against the St. Louis Cardinals as the Cardinals come up with a 5-1 win as for the Yankees. They have now played, by the way, about 57% of their games to the under for the Yankees. Garrett Cole, not a bad start in this one. He takes a loss, but he gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Jimmy Cordero did let the bullpen down. He gives up three runs over the course of two innings, including home run to Brandon Donovan, his ninth home run season by Jordan Montgomery. After the team went 1-11 and in his previous 12 starts, they've now won each out of his last four. One unearned run surrendered at six and two-thirds innings. Giovanni Gallegos, one and a third inning scoreless. Jordan Nix, scoreless inning. Yankees just could not do anything whatsoever at the plate. Three total hits, so that was a little bit less than terrific. The Walker Texas Rangers have been your highest scoring offense all season long, but not able to get it going against the Houston Astros. 5-3 with Sean Dubin making his first career MLB start. They get the win, and Dubin wasn't bad. Gives up one run over the course of four innings. From there, they piecemeal things together. Hector Neris, Phil Maton, along with Parker Molshinsky, they all land a scoreless inning. You did have Brian Bray give up two runs over the course of an inning, including a home run going deep for the Texas Rangers, Nathaniel Lowe, ninth home run of the season. But for Andrew Heaney, he was completely let down by his bullpen. For Heaney, five scoreless innings, eight strikeouts. Would like to see a little bit more length, but he did his part. From there, Josh Saboris in two-thirds of an inning allows three runs. You did have Grant Anderson come in. He gives up a run in an inning. Brock Burke, he gives up one home run in one and the third inning. So he's going deep for Houston. Jose Altuve gets his sixth home run season. And Roldis Chapman, yep, he's now on the Texas Rangers. He was able to lend a squirrel setting of his own. The Detroit Tigers all season long have had a tough time at the plate. But you know what? Detroit has actually played about 57% of their games to the over. And this one goes way over. They take down the Colorado Rockies. 14-9 the final as for Detroit. How about this? Jake Marizic, his first home run season. Jake Rogers, his 11th home run season. Gary Carpenter, his 8th home run season. Javi Baez, his 6th home run season. Spencer Torkelson, his 12th home run in the campaign. Connor Siebold, he boldly got destroyed. Eight runs surrendered in five innings, including three of those home runs. From there, Brad Ann gives up four runs in an inning. The hand slapped you in the face if you <laughs> bet on the Colorado Rockies. Gavin Hollowell, he gives up two runs in one and two-thirds innings. You were able to get one and a third inning scoreless out of Matt Cook, so that was good. And for the Colorado Rockies, you did have Randall Gritchick go deep for his third home run season and 13th of the campaign for uh, Ryan McMahon. Those both come off the bullpen as Matt Manning. I'm not going to say it was a thing of beauty. He gives up four runs in five innings, but you know what? In Coors Field, could have been worse. Tyler Alexander gives up one of those home runs, giving up three runs in one and a third innings. Brandon White gives up the other one. 
Two runs surrendered in two-thirds of an inning, but Jason Shreve, Jose Cicerno piecemeal together a scoreless inning, and Jason Foley was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. The Oakland A's are now 18-7 in their last 25 games on the run line. They lose, but they're able to cover the run line. Takes a four runs combined in the eighth and ninth inning, eight to seven. The White Sox are able to get the W as for the White Sox, Tuki Tucson gets the start. He was in all sorts of hot water with four walks and three. It's allowed to three, two thirds innings, but only surrenders two runs. Aaron Bummer was not a bummer as he gets a win, giving up one run in two and a third innings. Keenan Middleton from there, scoreless inning, but then Gregory Santos gives up two runs in an inning, and Brian Shaw. Yes, Brian Shaw comes out of the bullpen. He gives up two runs in an inning as Brett Rooker went deep off of him for his 14th home run season. For Bob Blackbird, he walked the plank. This was not great. Five runs surrendered over the course of five innings. Richard Lovelady, fresh off the injured list, he gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. Rico Garcia, old Uncle Rico, gives up a solo run in two and a third innings before Sammy Long is able to clean up a scoreless inning going deep for the White Sox. Jake Berger is 18th home run season, so White Sox they get the win, but they do not cover that run line. The Tampa Bay Rays, they play yet another over as they have been playing 59% of their games to the over, but they are unable to get it done against the Seattle Mariners. 7-6 to six of final as Taj Bradley gets a lit up in this one, giving up five runs at three in a third innings, including a home run to Eugenio Suarez. His ninth home run season. From there, you have Tom Murphy get his fifth home run season. That comes off of Kellen Boucher, who gives up that home run over the course of his third of an inning. Kevin Kelly, he's able to give you five outs out of the bullpen scoreless. Sean Armstrong, along with Zach Liddell, they give you a combined five outs out of the bullpen scoreless as well. But Jason Adam gives up a run in his inning. That was costly for the team, as you did have for the race a pair of home runs off of Luis Castillo. Isak Paredes, 14th home run season. Randy Arozarena is 16th as Castillo lost both of those home runs. And this was a terrible performance. He gives up six runs, five of which were earned in six innings. Bullpen on his back, though. Paul Sewell, Matt Brash, Andres Munoz. All able to lend a squirrel's inning to be able to get that one in. Your top over team in all of baseball right now shouldn't come as much of a surprise. The LA Dodgers, but they get destroyed by the Royals. 9-1. to one. The Royals take two games in this series as regression season for Tony Gonsolin is on like Donkey Kong. Four runs allowed in three and two-thirds innings. This guy had probably the greatest run of luck I've ever seen in a year and a half in Major League Baseball, and now it's nipping him in the tuchus. Victor Gonzalez from there gives up three runs in one and a third innings. As things are starting to go sideways there, Yancey Almonte, two unearned runs given up in his inning of work. Evan Phillips was able to lend a scoreless inning, and they had to look to one Yoni Hernandez. That is a backup third baseman for a scoreless inning, and he delivered it, so that was great for the Dodgers. Nothing doing off of Brady Singer. He had them singing the blues, giving up a one run over the course of seven innings. Amir Garrett, Colin Snyder from there. Both a scoreless inning and for the Royals. They left 14 men on base, going 8 of 20 with runners in scoring position. The Boston Red Sox go on the road, and they get a sweep of the Toronto Blue Jays. This fight got a 5-4, and Toronto has been a very good home under team thus far this season, and they just have not been able to generate a whole lot of offense for Boston. Garrett Whitlock lasts one inning in this one. He gives up a home run in the first inning as going deep Brandon Belt, his fifth home run season. He would then go deep off of Nick Pavetta for his sixth home run season as Pavetta, in super long relief, gives up one run in four innings. Brendan Bernardino gives up a run in one and a third innings. Caleb Bort gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning, but 
Chris Martin and Joe Jaquez come in for scoreless settings as the Red Sox piecemeal this thing together despite going 3 of 17 with Ben in scoring position. Alex Verdugo goes deep in the ninth that to be able to get this one to the window as he gets his sixth home run season off of Joe Romano as Kevin Gosman gets let down by his bullpen. You would have liked to see a little bit more length out of Gosman. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings, but the Blue Jays were up by multiple runs going into the seventh inning and then they blew it. Tim Mesa. He was able to piecemeal together an inning with Yimi Garcia, but Eric Swanson gives up two runs over the course of an inning. Trevor Richards, the squirrel, is saying, and then Jordan Romano gives up that solemn run over the course of his inning that proved to be very, very costly. The Washington Nationals are able to steal a game against the Philadelphia Phillies. We're going to be talking about the Phillies a little bit more in segment number two with John Jansen, but 5-4. to four. Washington gets it done. This after they gave up 19 runs in five innings to the Philadelphia Phillies the previous day as Trevor Williams didn't keep the ball in the yard. Gave up three runs in five innings, including a pair of home runs. JT Riumito, ninth home run season to Cassianos is 12th, but bullpen at his back. You were able to get one and two-thirds innings scoreless out of Kyle Finnegan after Mason Thompson gave up a run in a third of an inning, but Hunter Harvey, along with the young guy and Jose Farrar were both able to lend a scoreless inning in for Washington. They get a pair of home runs. Jameer Candelario goes deep off of Ranger Suarez for his 11th home run season. And then Stone Garrett is fifth. As for Suarez, he gives up five runs in five and a third innings after things were looking very good for him. He had given up a combined four runs in his previous five starts combined. So we saw a lot of... Pitchers that were hot this weekend go straight down the toilet pole. Jose Alvarado, Craig Kimbrell, both landed scoreless inning, and Junior Marte of the Marte Parte, one and two-thirds inning scoreless, but the Washington Nationals able to seal that one. The LA Angels, they get it done by a count of 5-2, to two, and the man, the myth, the legend, Shohei Otani, goes deep once again. 31st home run of the season. That comes off of Kyle Nelson. Nelson gives up a run in an inning, and Zach Gallon. Boy, does this guy have some home and road splits. His ERA well north of five on the road, very much sub two at home. He gives up four runs over the course of seven innings. Had 12 strikeouts, but gave up a pair of home runs. As Mike Trout got his 18th home run season, and Mickey Moniak, who's been very good, his ninth home run in the campaign. And finally, we get a re- win for Reed Detmers. He gives up two runs in six innings. This guy has pitched so much better than his record and his ERA indicates. So good to see one of the good guys be able to get a win as he does give up a home run along the way to Carson Kelly. First home run season, that really can't happen. But all in all, pitch well. And then from there, Carlos Estevez along with Jacob Weber able to piecemeal together a scoreless setting. And you also have Jose Soriano be able to come in for a scoreless setting as well. On Sunday Night Baseball, you got the New York Mets to be able to get the job done against the San Francisco Giants. A series win for them by a count of 8-4. to four. For the Giants, you did have Blake Sobel get his 8th home run season as that came off of Jeff Brigham. David Peterson didn't last long, but didn't surrender a lot. Gave up one run over the course of four innings. From there, you had Brigham give up that home run in a third of an inning, giving up three runs. That was less than terrific, but... You did have a scoreless inning out of Grant Hardwig, two scoreless innings out of him as Dominic Leon, Adam Arvino, both getting out of the bullpen, Brooks Raley, David Robertson. They're able to lend a scoreless inning in for San Francisco. Ross Stripling served as an opener, essentially, for Alex Wood. Went two scoreless innings, and then Wood from there got the wood laid to him, giving up five runs, four of which were earned as he was taken deep by Mark Hanna, sixth home run season, and Pete Alonso. The eighth inning, he gets home run number 25 of the season off of Ryan Walker, gave up two runs in his inning of work. And then you had Tyler Rogers give up a run and an inning, and Tristan Beck, two and a third inning scoreless. And then you did see a game that was delayed by quite a bit of rain between the Guardians and the Cubs. Things got nutty in this one as the Cubs were down four runs in the bottom of the ninth inning, 
somehow, some way, they are able to come back without any home runs whatsoever, just to have the Guardians win it in the 10th inning. Aaron Savali was able to lend a relatively solid start for the Guardians, giving up a one run over the course of six innings from there. Angel De Los Santos, scoreless saying Trevor Steven does give up a home run to Christopher Morrell, 15th home run of the season in his one inning work. And then Manu Classe has been nails as a closer the last few years. Well, he gives up four runs over the course of his inning before Sam Entages is able to close it down in the 10th inning. James Tyone, he gives up a home run to Andre Semenis, sixth home run season. And Tyone once again gives up. He has given up at least three runs in 10 out of his last 11 starts. Six runs, five of which were earned, including that homer. Bopin tried to bail him out. Aiden Wazneski, two scoreless settings. Anthony K, Michael Rucker both get a scoreless setting. And then Ed Barlsley gives up two runs, one of which was earned in that 10th inning. And if you are taking a look at the landscape of Major League Baseball right now, we have been seeing a few more overs recently. Over the last seven days, the over is sitting at rate of about 52.9%, 45 overs to 40 unders in the time span favorites. They have struggled, going 46 and 44 over the last seven days. All but 10 have been able to cover the run line, so run line hasn't been too bad. Money line, not so great in favorites. Overall, over the last 30 days, pretty much on par with what we've seen this season. 230 and 163 straight up with all but 51 of these favorites covering the run line. And over the last 30 days, unders still have a small lead over overs. 192 unders to 187 overs. And if you take a look at the entirety of the season, pretty equal split between unders and overs. Unders hitting at 50.4%, 607 unders to 598 overs. And overall for the season favorites, hanging above 58% on the money line, 724 and 524 with 186 favorites be unable to cover the run line. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we all got on the MLB card from Sunday. Now coming up next, let's talk about the National League playoff picture, the NL East, the Philadelphia Phillies, and so much more with John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back to Love You Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by this man as John Jansen. He does absolutely tremendous work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. I know that he's doing amazing work taking a look at the game of baseball. There is nothing short of intrigue when it comes to the Philadelphia sports scene as well as I'm sure that he's on James Harden watch as of right now. And hey, Maybe James Harden gets traded before this podcast gets posted. So <laughs> I, that's how crazy it is with that regard. But John, I know that he does a wide variety of things, including doing some contributions over at RP Gamer as well. That's a company that is based out there in the great state of Wisconsin and creates unofficial, official number one <laughs> fan, which we always love. And you're able to follow him on Twitter at Jay Jansen, the number 34. And John, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yes, I know all eyes kind of on what's going to happen with the Sixers. Uh, but yeah, Phillies continue to put themselves in a pretty good position here for the wild card and making up some ground, although making up zero ground when it comes to the NL East. Yeah, they certainly have not been able to make up any ground because the Atlanta Braves, they just keep pulverizing teams. They currently have the number one win percentage among National League teams, both in home games and in road games, which is just absolutely ridiculous. What do you make out of what the Atlanta Braves have been able to do this season? Because it does feel like really the only team that could stop them in the National League is, for one, the game of baseball in general, because crazy things do happen in the game of baseball. We've seen it so many times where the LA Dodgers have been by far the best team in the National League and have not made the World Series. But two, also themselves, because I've just been thoroughly impressed by what this Braves team has been able to do this season. Yeah, it's hard not to be. And that month of June, if there was any kind of, not concern, but just, you know, how good are the Braves? You know, those questions. 
I think the month of June proves they might be the best lineup in baseball. And uh, of course, with the pitching and once it stabilizes, of course, with some guys coming back, you know, Soroka now getting some innings and stuff like that, they might be the best team in baseball. So in the month of June, runs created plus of 150, Woba sitting at 399. It's impressive. And that's, of course, tops in the league and it's tops in the league by a mile. So the way that Tampa Bay was playing, you know, early on in the first month of the season, that's the way Atlanta's playing now. And of course, with the kind of potential that the Braves had and just the lineup that the Braves have, I think that's more sustainable than it was for Tampa Bay, which Tampa Bay is still doing well, but it's certainly not as sustainable as it was for them. And I think for the Braves, it's a different story. Ronald Acuna Jr. is looking like an MVP. And as much as Shohei Otani's a favorite, Ronald Acuna is a huge favorite for the NL MVP as well. You know, Sean Murphy is having a great season. Matt Olson, Marcelo Zuna, Travis Darno, Eddie Rosario, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley started to get it going too. You know, they have all those guys uh, above 800 of an OPS. That is unheard of to have that many guys that are hitting that well. And the Braves, looks like they're able to sustain that. And they have before in their careers. It's remarkable that one through nine is that good. They could probably still get better production. I'm looking at somebody like Michael Harris. I can get it going even more. It is extremely impressive. And what's more impressive is this is actually probably what they are. And it's impressive that this is actually something that is sustainable throughout the next couple of months. And what I think is striking as well about the Atlanta Braves is that they've been having to try to mix and match with regards to a lot of their starters. Like we've been seeing Jared Schuster and AJ Smith Schwaver, guys like this <laughs> getting starts for them because Max Fried has been out of the fold for nearly the entirety of the season as well. And that's a big fear for me is that if the Atlanta Braves are able to pick up some pitching at the deadline, if they're able to get a healthy Max Fried, if they're able to get some of these guys back because they've dealt with a lot of pitching injuries, that'll make them all the more fearsome. It will. And it's kind of amazing, right? Kyle Wright was doing very well last year, and he hasn't been good. Max Fried has only had five starts. Mike Soroka is still working his way back from like two, three years worth of injuries. Uh, and so he's, what, 6.89 ERA, really not getting acclimated too much yet. And so they're having to call up a bunch of guys. You just named, you named a few of them. And yet they're all doing well. And they're also still getting some good production out of Charlie Morton. Spencer Strider's not even hitting, I'd hate to do this pun, not even hitting his stride right now. But then Bryce Elder, you know, 2.44 ERA. It is pretty amazing that they have been able to not just tread water, they've been able to look like the best team in the National League while also just kind of piecing it together. But that proves how great the Braves are, right? We've seen this every single year with the Braves, whether it's position players that need to come up because of injuries, whether it is starting pitchers that need to come up because of injuries, no matter what. I mean, the year that they won the World Series, they didn't have Ronald Acuna Jr. I find it fascinating that the Braves just every single year have somebody available because I'm watching that with the Phillies and you know, they've been able to spend so much and the Mets, they've been able to spend so much. And yet when it comes to this, they don't have that ability to do it. The Phillies lost one starter and it was a rookie in the beginning of the season. And they still haven't figured out the fifth starting spot. They lost Reese Hoskins. They have no idea what they're doing at first base. You know, Josh Harrison's getting at bats. It's pretty remarkable to continue to see this over and over again with the Braves that they continue to either reinvent themselves or they just, just find players to plug in and they give them production immediately. I'm I'm continued to be kind of dumbfounded by it because I know there are other teams in the league that have done it, but the Braves just do it better, I think, than everyone. Yeah, the Braves certainly have been. And being a Milwaukee Brewers fan, hey, Milwaukee had the Braves very, very, very long ago. But yeah, I take a look at them and I am an envy because that's a organization that they themselves 
have been having their issues trying to mix and match as well as we do have John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And John, we're doing this before we know what the Phillies were able to do on Sunday, but we know on Saturday they were able to put up a 19 spot against the Washington Nationals. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, here in early July, late June, it really feels like things have been able to get back on track for them in general, being able to get a sweep of the Chicago Cubs, being able to get a nice series win of the New York Mets. I think that that was massive for them. Really, the only thing that has went badly for them over the last few weeks was the fact that they took that series loss against the Atlanta Braves, which, as we were just laying out, no shame losing a few games to the Atlanta Braves this season. But what have you made out of the Phillies play? We're going to call it over the last three to four weeks or so because it feels like they are starting to turn a corner. Yeah, starting to. And I'll even actually uh, give it a shorter window because I think some of their better games, we've seen its home runs. You know, Josh Harrison had uh, one and Nick Castellanos in a game. And then even this game previously on Saturday, they were able to get two home runs from Alec Boehm. They were able to get a home run from Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos as well. I think we are starting to see that when they do struggle, it is power problems. You know, I hate to just make it well, hitting home runs, obviously would save everyone and that's not going to come, but the Phillies were, were certainly not hitting as many as they should have. And I think a lot of their runners in scoring position problems came because they just weren't hitting any home runs. And I think it was making it extremely difficult to try and knock guys in. And we've been kind of seeing now recently, I would say in the past week, they have started to get a little bit more power. And once that has come, the offense has looked a lot better. And so I, I think that is proven that that's something the Phillies need to get better at. And when they do, it works. But that also puts a lot of pressure, I think, on Bryce Harper. He needs to get his power going. He still hasn't hit a home run yet. He's been able to knock in some runners, which is good. And he was able to win a game for them uh, this past week by knocking in a couple of runs. And I think they won that game 3-1 against the Cubs. Bryce Harper has been important and still good, but the home runs, I think they need to come. And when they do come for Harper, they need to come in flurries. Recently, I think it's proved that the power outage was the biggest problem with the Phillies lineup. And if you want to go back to the last three or four weeks, they've been an average lineup and they've really been getting carried by their starting rotation, which has been great. And their bullpen, which has also been really good. Pitching has carried them, but the offense needs to kind of pick up the slack at some point. And I think we're starting to see that. But again, it's just kind of waiting, I think, till Harper is the one to finally give them the power surge that they've been looking for. Because we've seen, you know, once the power does come, that this lineup is pretty good. And I think Washington found that out a lot on Saturday. Yeah, they certainly did. And upcoming next for the Philadelphia Phillies is going to be a road series with the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Tampa Bay Rays certainly have been a fearsome bunch, but how much do you take a look at this series and feel like it might be actually relatively good timing? Because right now the expected starters in that Tuesday game is going to be Aaron Nola going for the Phillies and Zach Eflin going for the Rays. And there's no shortage of familiarity between yeah. Zach Eflin and the Philadelphia Phillies. So there's that aspect of it. But I take a look at the Rays being a team that has been struggling a little bit. They've certainly been much better at home than they have been on the road. But I do think that this is going to be a really intriguing series. And this could be a little bit of a crossroads for the Phillies because if they're able to steal a few games on the road, that could really propel them moving forward. It could. And I think this is where the, the lineup comes into question because it's great. You know, Nola, 4.51 ERA is not great, but it still his whip is good. Everything's good. Obviously, the problem is the long ball. So that's going to be an issue with Tampa Bay that has been pretty good with the long ball this season. But still, you can kind of see their pitching matches up really well against Tampa. And I think their bullpen matches up really well. So Walker and Torinos on Wednesday is a really good matchup. I know Sanchez is pitching in the last game. I'm not sure who yet for the Rays, but still, I think they're starting pitching matches up and they're pitching overall. What's going to be the difference is can the Phillies lineup that's been pretty average still go up against this Rays lineup that has been a 
amazing still. They're not the lineup that was, I think, head and shoulders above everyone else at the beginning of the season. But still in the month of June, they were a top 10 lineup in baseball. I think that's going to be a struggle for the Phillies to keep up with. So I think it is a good test. Can the Phillies get some home runs against Zach Eflin, obviously familiar face in this really good race starting rotation? Can they knock in some runs with runners in scoring position, which has been a struggle for them? They've been near the bottom of the league in all categories when runners are in scoring position. If the Phillies are really looking to turn this thing around and really to prove that they have, I think this is one their lineup has to show up, and this is going to be a, a tough test. Uh, but that's the difference, I think, right now between the Rays and the Phillies. The Rays lineup is still hitting very well, and the Phillies haven't been. I think it's a good test for the Phillies here. I do think that it's a very good test for the Phillies as well as John Jansen, who does tremendous work over at Fox Sports Philadelphia. The Gambler is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, and we've talked quite a bit about the Mets and the Miami Marlins, and I think at this point I can just write off the New York Mets. I'm sorry, but man... It is not going great for them, but how do you evaluate the rest of the National League? Because I do think that the National League should be getting at least one wild card team in, whether that be the Philadelphia Phillies, whether that be the Miami Marlins. I'm not even going to put the New York Mets into that conversation (laughs) until they show me otherwise, but I just take a look at the National League as a whole, and I feel like the free spot that you've got if you're a National League team is that the Central is only getting one team in. That has been a complete dumpster of a division at this point, but I take a look at the NL West and I think that that's really intriguing with the Dodgers having no pitching, but having just an amazing lineup with the San Diego Padres continuing to struggle. Fortunately for them, the Mets are struggling even worse than they are, or else they would be an even bigger story at this point. That's a good and here's the yeah. Diamondbacks being absolutely tremendous this season as well. The Giants. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm looking at two teams because the, the wild card does kind of look pretty crowded. You take a look at the Reds, Brewers, we're only two games back. Philly's now a game and a half back. This is all from Saturday, but it's pretty crowded. But the two teams that have kind of been unexpected to be at the top and holding two wildcard spots are Miami and San Francisco. I think I just would question which one of these teams, if any, starts to kind of spiral downward. You know, I think the candidate to that for me might actually be San Francisco because I love the young arms in Miami's rotation and I think they might continue to surprise even though the Braves knocked around Nure Perez his last time out so that was really impressive by the Braves lineup but still I think Miami's young arms are the one that stands out the most between these two teams and I think San Francisco's lineup is something that could hold them back as this season goes along they're getting decent pitching Uh, Logan Webb's having a solid season Alex Cobb having a good year as well but I don't find that starting rotation to be uh, anything spectacular it's wild card in the National League you know obviously looking at that and how crowded it is but just which one of those teams between Miami and San Francisco slip up here to open up another spot for the Phillies or potentially potentially one of those teams in the central and the Brewers or the Reds. I would say if it's not the Giants or Marlins, it probably opens the door more for the Phillies than anybody else. But I'd be interested to see what to what one of those teams are, because obviously I don't expect the Dodgers to. I expect the Dodgers just to get better as the season goes on. But those other two, I expect one of them probably to slip up. Yep, and I do think that going into the week as well, that Marlins versus Cardinals series, that's going to be a big one for them with Braxton Garrett most likely going on Monday against Miles Michaelis. So they're able to take care of business there. I think that that's going to be big for them moving forward. And is there maybe a pitcher or a team or two that you've had your eye on that you've had a lot of success in betting over the last few weeks, whether that be fading them or whether that be backing them as well? Because we do have a relatively small slate for Monday. We are going to have some intriguing games out there, but 
as we know, there's always a case where you have getaway days on Mondays and Thursdays. So you always have a little bit of a smaller car, but just anything in general that has been treating you well the last few weeks. What well, was Yuri Perez? And then he let me down on Saturday. I so, still got the under in that game though. Nice. That's very good actually. So the, the six runs didn't really bother you at all. I've, been better with the Phillies because I've been riding sort of the Ranger Suarez, Taiwan Walker duo that have, you know, been excellent in the month of June. So that's been great. Obviously, you know, they're not going to pitch what their ERAs are both, you know, sub two and I think in the mid ones. So that's not going to continue. I think Ranger Suarez is actually close to being a sub one ERA. So that's not going to continue. But those two guys, they have been very profitable. You know, for me, it's a little bit easier to see that because I'm watching them every day. But being able to kind of hop on those early, especially Suarez, because I've always had faith in Suarez. I hopped on that one early but to be able to ride those two out for the month of June has been a lot of fun. Yeah, but it certainly has been a lot of fun, and it's always a lot of fun getting you on the show, John. You do an amazing job taking a look at the great game of baseball, and I know you're doing a great job taking a look at the entire Philadelphia sports landscape as there's no shortage of things to talk about. The Eagles should be in for a good year. The 76ers should be in for a fascinating offseason. I'm not going to say a good one, but I'm going to say a fascinating way offseason. way to put it, yeah. And so much more. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, if you can read Twitter, you can follow me at jjansen34. Uh, so that's just up to whether or not you're able to see your 600 posts for the day or whatever it may be. But also, yeah, iHeartRadio app as well. Search up Fox Sports The Gambler. That's where you can always hear us. And look, the YouTube channel is always going to be there at Fox Sports The Gambler. We've been doing more live streams, video content. I've been really happy with how it's gone. So yeah, definitely check out our YouTube channel at Fox Sports The Gambler. And John does absolutely tremendous work with all that and so much more. And every single time he joins his podcast, lends tremendous insights, much like he did today. So a big thanks to John for joining me right here on the Baseball Winning Show, now part of the Beast and Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. 
We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Always great to get John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the Gambler Board. Does great work taking a look at the entire Philadelphia sports scene as we have seen some big-time intrigue out there in recent weeks. On top of that, I know that he does a tremendous job just taking a look at the great game of baseball day in and day out, and every time he joins this podcast, lends tremendous insights much like today, so... Big thanks to John for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis and every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do you note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore 81. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So, without further ado, let's dive in on 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Chicago Cubs 
And throw out the facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers as Julio Taran goes for the crew and Drew Smiley is on the bump for the Cubs. Cubs are anywhere between minus 105, seeing straight minus 102 to minus 115 favorites. Anywhere between minus 105 to minus 108 is your number on the Brewers. Nine is the total with the under at minus 120 and the over at even. I did set my total at 9.1. I'm going to be taking a look at the over with Julio Tehran. If you look at the raw numbers, it's very impressive. And the one thing that I like that Julio Tehran has been able to do is that he has done a good job of being able to keep the walks down. That's a big reason why he's currently got the 285 ERA. 1.8 walks per nine innings, but he's getting five and a half strikeouts per nine innings as a fielding independent north of five as batting average on balls and plays a 204. For his career, it's a 270. This is absolutely not sustainable. One single bit. We saw him get, well, bit in the butt in that last start against the New York Mets as well. Seven runs given up after he had given up six total earned runs in his previous six starts. I think the regression monster is hungry and he is coming for a good friend in Julio Tehran. Meanwhile, Drew Smiley, he's one of those pitchers that he doesn't do anything terrible. He really doesn't do anything great. He's been able to get seven half strikeouts at 2.8 walks per nine innings. Give it up about 1.4 home runs per nine innings. Another guy that has probably pitched a little bit better in terms of his raw ERA in comparison to the fielding independent. Fielding independent, 460 ERA, more around a 396. And for Smiley, 274 road ERA, having given up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings. But again, I think that regression is going to be coming in there. Now, the good news for the Cubs is that they go up against the Brewers team as right there with the Miami Marlins at the bottom of the National League in terms of runs per game in the National League. And for the Brewers, you've got plenty of guys that are in home runs. You've had Brian Anderson, William Contreras, Joey Weimer, William Thomas, Rowdy Tellas, Christian Yelich. All supply between 9 and 12 home runs. Problem is only Yelich and Contreras are hitting above a 227 right now. Only guys with above a 318 on base. Gotten a little bit of something out of Owen Miller hitting about a 285, but when you're relying upon guys like Blake Perkins, Andrew Marisario, we're both hitting about a 255 to give you meaningful at bats. Not a place where you want to be. And for the Chicago Cubs, really their main issue has been a lack of overall power within the lineup. They've been missing Patrick Wisdom, which has been an issue. He's been able to give the team 14 home runs. So Christopher Burrell, only guy in the lineup with 10 plus home runs as far as the season. He has been able to pound out a home run every about 9.6 at bats. And he, along with many others, are sort of hitting in that pocket of we're going to call it about a 260 to a 277 as you've got he, Cody Bellinger, Nick Madrigal, Dance V. Swanson, Mike Talkman, Jan Gomes, even their young catcher, Miguel Amaya, all sort of in that fold with Nico Horner being a little bit better than that. So you've got plenty of guys that move the line, and then Ian Happ has been able to give you about a 380 on base. And then when it comes to both of these bullpens, both of them have had, well, their issues. With the Brewers, you've got your dominant closer in Devin Williams, Joel Pyam, Elvis Figueroa, they've been able to give you a sub-3 ERA, but from there, you're mixing and matching between guys like Peter Strzelecki, Matt Bush, J.B. Bukakis. They've just been having guys go up and down like a turnstile, trying to be able to find bridge guys, as they're currently 20th in the league in terms of bullpen area. Cubs have actually ascended to 17th after bad starts of the year for Michael Fulmer and Julian Merriweather. Not saying they've been dominant, but they're starting to pick it up a little bit more. Mark Leiter Jr. has been solid, being able to give you about a 250 ERA. 
Anthony Cabe, Andrew Elsley, they've been able to do a solid job in this bullpen. You don't necessarily have that lockdown close or anything like that, but things are improving a little bit on the Cubs side. And I do think that both of these starters are doing for regression. I said my total at 9.1, so looking at the 9 over, but got a little bit more faith here in Smiley than I do in Julio Toran. Set the Cubs at a minus 116, so taking that Cubs money line and the over. 903-904 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. They're on the road facing off against the Washington Nationals. Jake Irvin goes for the Nets. Luke Weaver is on the bump for Cincinnati. The Reds are between a minus 120 to a minus 135 favorite. Between plus 110 and plus 118, the number on Washington. 10 to 10 and a half is the total on the 10 and a half. Under is minus 120. The over is even on the 10. Over is at minus 115. The under is minus 105. Did set my total at a 10.2. Only place I'm finding a 10 and a half is it is at DraftKings. I am in Las Vegas, so... All I've got is a 10, and personally, I would rather have the 10 over because got a pair of guys that are not pitching very well right now. Luke Weaver has fielding an event that's a little bit above his 6.96 ERA, but it's really hard to have a fielding independent that hovers right around 7 as it's been a no good, very bad, terrible year for him. He has made 13 starts. He's given up 3-plus runs in all but two of them. 1.9 home runs surrendered per 9 innings, 2.8 walks per 9. Once again, fielding independent is a 542, but that's really not saying a whole heck of a lot as he has given up at least three runs in every one of his starts since May 25th. Yeah, it's rough for him. And then for Jake Irvin, it's not like this guy is out there lighting the world on fire. 472 ERA now. To his credit, three earned runs or fewer surrendered in each out of his last four starts, so... I guess there's a little bit of positive momentum that's happening here, but he's also got a 528 home area, despite the fact that he's really not giving up the deep ball too much. He's given up less than a home run per nine innings. He's just giving up a whole bunch of contact in general, and that is not going to play into his advantage when it comes to going up against the Cincinnati Reds. As the Reds are one of those just death-by-a-million-cuts teams. They don't necessarily crank out the deep ball very much at home. They're an okay team in terms of being able to pound out the homer on the road. They're getting about 0.8 home runs per game. That is actually third worst in the big leagues, but they're also a top five team in terms of road on base percentage as well. As you've got just so many guys that are giving you north of a 350 on base. You've got, obviously, Ellie De La Cruz, who has come up and has been an absolute godsend for the scene. But on top of that, Matt McLean is hitting above a 300 line. TJ Friedel. You've had Jake Fraley be able to give you about a 354 on base. He's been able to slug out 11 home runs. Jonathan India, just below that at a 345 on base. 11 home runs. Spencer Steer in a 285 with a 374 on base. 14 home runs. They do it against righties. They do it against lefties. And Will Benson has really been the forgotten guy of this lineup. 390 on base. He has been a very nice constant. So while the Reds don't necessarily get a lot of power, they do a good job of being a land on base in the Nationals. They are dead last in the National League in terms of home runs. John Lee Thomas was able to give you 14 home runs and is hitting Jarnier at 300. Jameer Candelario is giving you a double-digit amount of bombs. And for the Nationals, this is a top-eight team in terms of batting average. Joey Manessa, Silvio Vargas, Victor Robles hitting between about a 280 to a 300. So, I mean, they do a solid job there. They don't strike out at all. They're number one in the National League in terms of few strikeouts on a per-game and a per-at-bat basis. But they just really don't generate a lot of pop. And they're backed up by the worst bullpen in the National League. Thaddeus Ward is well north of a 5-year-A. Hunter Irvey's actually been okay for the scene, but Joe LaSorsa... He's got an ERA that is above a 7. Kyle Finnegan has not necessarily been great. And for the Cincinnati Reds, this has been a bullpen that has been teeter-totterish. They're right around league average to very slightly below average in terms of their bullpen ERA. But you've got the likes of 
Alex Young, Alexis Diaz, Buck Farmer giving you a sub-355 ERA. Fernando Cruz has not been himself thus far this season, but I've always liked Lucas Sims. He's able to give you some solid innings there. I do think that in the battle of, well, not so great starting pitching, I do think that the Reds come out on top. I think that Weaver gives up his three-plus runs in this one, but the Reds just go death by a million cuts on Jake Irvin. So I did set the money line at a minus 141. Find the run line of the Reds in between a plus 120 to a plus 125, and I'm going to dive in on that run line. I needed at least a plus 112 because I think that this is going to be a very high-scoring game, and I think that the Reds could just muscle their way to victory. So looking at the 10 over and looking at the plus price on the Reds on the run line. Now we have my DK Nation write-up pick. This is 905-906 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins play us the St. Louis Cardinals. Miles Michaelis goes for the cards, and Braxton Garrett is on the bump for Miami. Miami's between a minus 115 to a minus 120 favorite. Even money to plus 108 is your number on St. Louis. Eight is the total. The over and the under any between minus 105 to a minus 115. Write-up pick, Marlins on the money line. I set them at a minus 144. Granted, it's the EK write-up pick because... With afternoon numbers on Sunday, we didn't necessarily have a lot of options. But that said, I do like the way that Braxton Garrett has really been able to roll this year. Two runs or fewer allowed at 13 out of his 16 starts this season. The 3.53 ERA is fine, but if you look at that one bad start that he had to begin May against the Braves, he went four and a third innings. He allows 11 runs. You take that out of the fold, he's got a 2.56 ERA. Overall, with that bad start included, he still has a 320 fielding independent. He's getting 10 strikeouts, 1.7 walks per nine innings. This guy's been pretty awesome. You know who hasn't been pretty awesome recently? Miles Michaelis. Give it up at least five runs in three out of his last four starts. That is very much less than savory, to say the least, for Miles Michaelis. He's only getting about 6.3 strikeouts per nine innings. Fielding independent is just north of four. He's got a 444 ERA, so he's been a tad unlucky, but. I mean, he's giving up less than a home run per nine innings while being a pitch-to-contact guy. That's not necessarily too great. Now, for the Miami Marlins, this team has been one of the worst teams in the big leagues at being able to supply the deep balls. It's really Ore Soler and not a lot else in terms of power. Soler, 22 home runs, 340 on base as far as the season. Nobody else has more than 10, though. You do have Jad Shizzle and Brian Dato Cruz and uh, Garrett Cooper all giving between 9 and 10 home runs. And you got plenty of guys getting on base for the Miami Marlins. In terms of home batting average, it is a 272. That is fifth in the league. As you've also got John Birdie, Yuli Gurriel, Joey Wendell, all in between about a 265 to a 275. And to highlight Joey Wendell, over the last three days, he is hitting a 345. So he's been able to pick it up quite a bit. Flip side for the St. Louis Cardinals, this team has been very dysfunctional. Since really the end of May, if you take a look at their last 33 games overall, this team is averaging 3.9 runs per contest. Ever since May 24th, they're averaging the fewest runs per game of any team in the National League. So, that is very much less than terrific. You've seen Nolan Gorman hit below a 200 over the last 35 days. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, they're the constants of this team. 31 home runs. Both of these guys are hitting for north of a 275. So, that's been terrific. But Wilson Gutierrez is hitting about a 215. Paul DeYoung has been a little bit over the place, so he has been able to supply 12 home runs. The outfield itself has been strange because they had Jordan Walker get called down to the minor leagues, and I'm not sure why. He's been by far their best outfielder, hitting about a three-hundred. Lars Newparts is coming off the injured list has up in himself. Alec Burleson has been a disappointment. And for the Cardinals, among guys that have seen at least seven innings this year, you don't have a single guy in this bullpen with a sub-3-5 ERA. Now, granted, you really don't have anyone with north of a 5 ERA, but everyone like Chris Stratton, along with Andre Pallanti, someone like Drew Verhagen, all these guys, 
They sort of just have like a 4-1, 4-2 ERA, which is why the Cardinals are right around 22nd in the league with that regard the Miami Marlins. They're more like 18th as they've had some pretty solid performances. A.J. Pug, Stephen Okert, Andrew Nardi. These are guys give me a sub-3-3 ERA. J.T. Jorgois, Dylan Floro need to pick it up a little bit, but I do think that for Braxton Garrett, he's got a nice advantage here over Miles Michaelis. This has been a St. Louis Cardinals team that has just not been able to hit on the road. Averaging 5.2 runs per game at home, 4.1 on the road. Very pitcher-friendly ballpark. I think Braxton Garrett gets the job done. My DKNH right a pick on the Marlins on the money line. Did set my total at an 8.3 with the way that Michaelis gives up a whole bunch of contact as well. So looking at the over, right up pick on the Marlins money line. 907-908 on the betting board. It is the LA Dodgers. They play us the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mitch Keller goes for the Buckos. It is to be determined on the bump for the LA Dodgers. This is a game that's off the board. I was thinking that it was going to be Clayton Kershaw. That's what Fangraphs and ESPN was projecting. If it were to be Clayton Kershaw, I put this at a minus 223 on the Dodgers' money line. If it's not Clayton Kershaw, the drop-off is at least 55 cents, if not a little bit more. Like I said, if it's Clayton Kershaw, I'm going to be probably willing to lay up to about a minus 115 to a minus 120 on the Dodgers on the run line. I'm not going to go any further just because we don't know the situation on this one, whether or not Kershaw is going to be going on Monday or if he's going to be just placed on the injured list in general. It's seeming like he's probably going to be placed on the injured list. But to highlight Mitch Keller, he had a little bit of a rough stretch of things in the month of June. There was a stretch where he gave up four plus runs in three out of four starts but all in all he's done a really good job of being able to upgrade his swing and miss stuff he's getting 10 strikeouts per nine innings he's giving up less than a home run per nine innings and if it is Mitch Keller against like some sort of bullpen game someone like a Gavin Stone who I know that the Dodgers for some reason has been giving starts to this is probably going to be a shorter line than what you might think because with our good friend in Keller. His 334 ERA is actually higher than his 324 fielding independent. He's been able to do a nice job of just being able to go out there, give you nice innings, and then for the LA Dodgers, this bullpen has been absolutely terrible as you've been able to get some good innings out of Bursar Griderall. Victor Gonzalez hasn't been terrible himself, but you take a look at this Dodgers bullpen, 25th in the big leagues in terms of ERA. The likes of Ryan Brazier, Yancey Almonte, Alex Vesia, Phil Bickford, all these guys just giving you north of a 5-year It is far from terrific. Danny Hudson, back and fold. That should be able to help the team out a little bit, but not a good place to be if you're the Dodgers. Now, for the LA Dodgers, you've been able to have just some tremendous offensive performances all season long. Mookie Betts, along with J.D. Martinez, are a pair of guys that have been able to combine for 41 home runs. They're both hitting above a 259, and for Betts, he's up to a 370 on base. The Dodgers honestly don't necessarily hit for the world's greatest average. They're hitting at 242 as a collective this season. That is below average in the league, but the reason why the LA Dodgers are currently number two in the National League behind the white-hot Atlanta Braves in terms of runs per game is because, for one, they've got the top of walks rate in the big leagues, and for two, other than the Atlanta Braves, they are number one in the big leagues in terms of home runs per game as well as Max. Once he has been able to supply 18 home runs, and this is illustrated by just how good the Dodgers are at being able to draw walks. Because Muncie is hitting a buck 89 this far this season, 320 on base. Miguel Vargas, same boat, buck 99 batting average, north of a 300 on base. Will Smith, 275 batting average with 12 home runs, solid, but nearly a 400 base. So they do a good job being able to move the line, get on base. And then for the Pittsburgh Pirates, last 30 days, things have really regressed with this bullpen. Yohan Ramirez, coupled with Jose Hernandez landing on the injured list, has not been great, along Tori Morita who was very good to begin the season, going down the toilet blast result, the Pittsburgh Pirates 
They're currently 28th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA over the last three days. Prior to this, about a month ago, this was a top 10 bullpen in the big league. Save Ben Arcel has been terrific. He's been able to give you a sub 2 ERA. They get back Colin Holderman and Yuri De Los Santos has been able to give you a sub 2 ERA. So that's terrific. But you do also have a Pirates team that since the beginning of the month of May, it's really been they and the St. Louis Cardinals who have been the worst offenses in the big leagues. Jack Swinniski has been able to pound out 17 home runs. And that guys are able to get on base for this team. You've had Henry Davis since he got called up. Giving you a 373 on base, 300 batting average. Andrew McCutcheon, 390 on base, 10 home runs. Swinniski, who I mentioned, 355 on base. But dealing with the injury to Brian Reynolds, who has been on the injured list, that's a little bit of an issue for this team. Looks like there's a chance that he could be back for this series. Counter Joe, he's been able to give you about a 325 on base as well, but they're also dealing with an injury to Brian Hayes. So if it were to be Clayton Kershaw, this would be a total to where a 7.5 or less. I'd be able to look at the over an 8 or higher to the under. If it's not Clayton Kershaw, this probably goes to where an 8.5 or less. I'm looking at the over a 9 or higher to the under. And this is probably a 60-plus cent move if Clayton Kershaw is not in the fold. I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 120 on the run line with Kershaw in. If it's like some sort of bullpen game at right around about a plus 155 or higher, looking at the Pirates, we're going to need a few more details. So check back at GNR Scorty 1 when more is known about the Dodgers pitching situation, but that's what I'm looking at there. 909-910 on the betting board. It is the Houston Astros. They throw it to face off against the Walker Texas Rangers as Martin Perez goes for the Rangers and You've got good old Christian Avier on the bump for the Astros. Relative pick'em game. Both of these teams are as bad as a minus 110, as good as even money, and your total on this game is 9. The under is between minus 110 to a minus 120. The over is any between even and minus 110. Did some I told it an 8.8. I'm going to be willing to dive in on the under. You've got a Rangers team that's currently number one in the big leagues in terms of runs per game. I still do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here, and I do think that Christian Avier, after two terrible starts where he gave up a combined 10 runs, and for that matter, he's given up four-plus runs in three out of his last four, I do think that this is a good rebound spot for him. I'm a little bit concerned about the velocity that he has shown recently, but all in all, Christian Avier throughout his career has been relatively trustworthy. The swing and miss stuff has been down. He's down to about eight strikeouts for nine innings, but command is up, 2.6 walks. Per nine innings, still really doesn't give up too much of the deep ball, giving up 1.1 home runs per nine innings on the road. That has heightened to about 1.6 home runs per nine innings. And then you do have Martin Perez, who he has been a wizardry at home. Buck 91 home ERA to a 598 ERA on the road. I don't know how he does it at home, but he's given up one home run in 37 and two-thirds innings. We saw very similar splits to him last season as well. And the key for Martin Perez is always having that walks per nine rate be three or less. It's approximately at three thus far this season. So he's been able to do a nice job being able to hold down the fort. The Texas Rangers don't need anything magical from him. They just need him to fill some innings, not beat himself, and he's been able to do that. Now, for the Texas Rangers, this is a bunch that they've got a disadvantage in the bullpen. Currently, they are 24th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. And he needs an Astros team as fifth, but this is a bullpen that is out sending. They pick up a role this Chapman a few days ago via trade. You've got Josh Taboras, Will Smith. All these guys are able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA. Joe Barlow, Brock Burke, they're halfway decent. This is now a bullpen that is not so bad. Meanwhile, the Houston Astros, they still do have the advantage in the bullpen. Ryan Presley has been able to pick it up in recent weeks. And then you got Hector Neris, Phil Maton, Brian Bray, who have all been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. But 
for the Astros. They continue to be without Jordan Alvarez, and that's a big flipping deal, as he has been absolutely amazing whenever he's been out there on the field. You do have Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker. A pair of guys giving you north of a 345 on base, 12 home runs apiece. You could use a little bit more, though. Jeremy Pena has been underachieving this year, single-digit amount of homers, 302 on base. And you've got guys that are able to get on base for you, like Mauricio Dubon, Yanir Diaz. These are a pair of guys hitting for a respectable average. Diaz hitting 268, but a 280 on base. Mauricio Dubon at the leadoff spot, 280 batting average, 315 on base. You've even been able to have about a 260 or so average out of Corey Jolks, but want to send a 310 on base with him as well. And then for the Houston Astros, if they want to, they could throw out there a lineup where all nine guys are hitting at least a 265, and the only guy that is like hitting perhaps even a little bit below that, depending upon the day, is Adolis Garcia, and he's been able to pound out north of 20 home runs. Thus far this season, it's just such a fearsome bunch. Travis Jankowski hitting above the 300. And most of these guys, by the way, have a double-figure amount of homers for the Texas Rangers as well. Some like a Josh Young, who is hitting about a 270. He slugged out 17 home runs. Jonah Heim, about a 335 on base. 12 home runs. Ezekiel Duran hitting above a 300. 12 home runs. They just come at you with waves upon waves. Corey Seager continues to hit above a 350 as well. So this is a spot where I did make Martin Perez a favorite of a minus 113. I'm going to be willing to ride with the Rangers on the money line. I think there's going to be a little bit of regression with this lineup. But I do think that Javier bounces back a little bit. But still won't trust in Martin Perez at home. Semi-tail at 8.8. It's also diving on the under with the way that the Astros have been hitting recently. 9-11, 9-12 on the bank board. The Baltimore Orioles at the road face-off against the New York Yankees. Domingo Armand goes for the Yankees, and Tyler Wells hopes to pitch Wells for Baltimore, and Baltimore is a slight favorite, any between minus 108 to minus 115, any between minus 105 to even money is your number on the Yankees, 8.5 is the total, under is between minus 110 to a minus 115, the over is between minus 105 to a minus 110, and when it comes to Yankees, I did set them as a minus 108 favorite, so I'm going to be willing to ride with them. I know that there's a lot of people that they like to fade a pitcher coming off of a no-hitter. For me, it's just like any other circumstance with Domingo Roman. And the way that he was pitching like garbage before, perhaps this is exactly what he needed. Because I still remember doing a DK Nation write-up pick on him. And that was just not great when he went up against the Seattle Mariners. He gets pounded for 10 runs, 8 of which were earned. He had given up 15 total runs in 5 and a third innings prior to the perfecto against the Oakland A's. I don't think that he goes for a perfecto. I don't think that he's as bad as the guy that gave up 15 runs in five plus innings. So I do think that water is going to find its level with Herman. He's swinging his stuff his back up a little bit. 8.6 strikeouts per nine innings. I recognize that after he got caught with the sicky stuff, that did go downward a little bit as he had a, about 10 strikeouts in his previous three starts prior to the perfecto. But so I do take a look at Domingo Herman and his swinging his stuff is better than it was last season when he was coming off of injury. And for Tyler Wells, this is just your classic guy of one that does not really beat himself as he overall for the season is giving up about 1.9 home runs per nine innings. That is the big issue that you've got for him, but he gives up fewer than two walks per nine innings. And he's been able to upgrade his swing and miss stuff as well. He's getting about 9.2 to 9.3 strikeouts per nine innings. He is the whip leader among American League qualifying starters. 458 fielding independent compared to a 321 ERA, though. A lot of that is because of the home runs that he gives up, but the good news is he goes up against the New York Yankees lineup that if you take out the games that they had against the Oakland A's among all teams in baseball, once again, excluding those Oakland A's games, they are scoring the fewest runs in the big leagues. 
since Aaron Judge went down. That is not so great to say the least. And you just take a look at this lineup and you wonder where the production is going to come from. Glaber Torres, about a 325 on base, 12 home runs, but Anthony Rizzo hitting below 200 over the last 40 days. You've been able to get a little bit more out of someone like Isaiah Kinnerfalefa. Billy McKinney has been an okay find for the team as well, but all in all, this team is really struggling. Anthony Volpe, DJ Turner, Up Lemayu, Jake Bowers, hitting between about a 220-230, and then you've got the whole catcher spot, John Carlos Santon, Josh Donaldson, as well as Cabrera, all hitting about a 213 or lower. And for Donaldson, maybe they should just put him in the bullpen because he has been a better pitcher than he has been a hitter. But that said, with the New York Yankees, the team for much of the year has been number one in terms of bullpen here. And I mean, these guys have been terrific. You've got the likes of Ian Hamilton, Michael King, Tommy Canely, Wandy Peralta, Albert Abreu. All these guys have gone out there, been able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA. They give you a good effort night in and night out. And for the Baltimore Orioles, it's a very top-heavy bullpen. This is one that is in the top eight in the league in terms of ERA. You have Felix Bautista, Yanir Cano, both giving you a sub-125 ERA. And then you've been able to get a sub-3 ERA out of Danny Columbia. Past that, darn near everyone else, like Mike Bauman, Brian Baker, CNL Perez, guys like this, they are giving you north of a four ERA. And it's been interesting to gauge this Baltimore Orioles offense because they don't necessarily have that one guy where you say, gasp, he is coming up to the plate. But they do a good job of just being balanced in general. They average right around 5.2 to 5.3 runs per contest. That is a top eight mark in the big leagues with having a pair of guys in Cedric Mullins along with Ori Mateo doing a great job being able to seal some bags with a combined 35 thus far this season. Anthony Santander has been your main matcher. Hitting about a 265, 14 home runs. Adelie Rushman gives you a 375 on base. Now, Austin Hayes did leave yesterday due to a little bit of an injury, but Aaron X, ever since he has gotten in the fold, he can be plugged and played there as well. 380 on base with the Baltimore Orioles, and I'm sure he would love to stick it to his former team as well. Gunnar Henderson has been really able to pick it up since a rough start to the season as well. Double-figure amount of homers, sitting above a 280 over the last 45 days as well. So, very interesting spot, but I do think that for Wells, he might give up one or two too many deep balls because of that short porch out there at Yankee Stadium. So, I'm willing to trust in New York in this spot. I did set this total at an 8.1. I think that you get a low-scoring game. So, looking at the 8.5 under, and with the Yankees, one to lay up to a minus 107 on the money line. 913-914 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals are on the road facing off against the Minnesota Twins. As we got Joe Ryan on the bump for the Twins. And Austin Gox is getting the start for the Royals. And right now we've got one number up at DraftKings. Minus 175 on the Twins. Plus 150 on the Kansas City Royals. 7.5 is the total over and under both at minus 110. You're getting a plus 120 on the Twins run line. And the reason why this is a little bit dicey is because you do have a Twins bunch at... I mentioned the fact that the Yankees, as Aaron Judge went down, they're scoring the second fewest runs per game of any team in baseball. Yeah, the team has scored the fewest is the Minnesota Twins, but they hit significantly better when they're at home rather than on the road. I'm willing to trust in the Minnesota Twins in this spot on the run line just because with the Minnesota Twins, they've actually done a halfway decent job of being able to put up runs when they're at home. They're averaging about 4.43 runs per game at home, fewer than four runs per game when they are on the road. This is a bunch that ranks in the top 10 in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis. The big thing has been that they don't really move the line, but now you're going up against the Kansas City Royals team as throwing out their Austin Cox, which is not a place where you want to be. His first start of the year gave up four runs and three and two-thirds innings. Now, was halfway decent in long relief, but the minor league numbers were not good, to say the least. Not too much of a strikeout guy. 
Guy that gives up quite a few walks at the big league level. He's been giving up four and a half walks per nine. And he's, he's got this 225 ERA because opponents are going to buck 13 off of him. The regression is coming and it is going to be coming hard. Meanwhile, you've got Joe Ryan, who has been very good at home. 270 home ERA, giving up three home runs in 46 and two thirds innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, that's in the neighborhood about 9.7 to a 9.8, giving up less than 1.5 walks per nine innings, 1.2 home runs surrendered. Per nine innings going up against a Royals team that's in the bottom three in the big leagues in terms of both on base percentage and in terms of runs per game. Salvador Perez continues to give you a good effort, 15 home runs, hitting above a 250. And Bobby Wood Jr. has got 23 stolen bases, 250 average, 12 home runs. Really doesn't do a great job of being able to draw walks, though. And it's a very top heavy lineup as you've currently got the likes of Kyle Isabel, MJ Melendez, Jackie Bradley Jr., Samad Taylor, Nate Eaton, all these guys. Hitting a 215 or lower. So bad that I don't think that Jackie Bradley Jr. is even with the team anymore. So that's been terrific. You do have Drew Waters, who's been able to hit about a 250 for this bunch. So he's been able to pick it up. And I like what I've seen out of Nick Prado recently as well. But man, this is a Royals team that it is rough. And for the Minnesota Twins, at the very least, you've got power out of this lineup as. Joey Gallo, Byron Buxton, a combined 29 home runs. Problem is, both of these guys have right around about a 305 to 310 on base. Either guy is hitting above a 210. And then you've got Carlos Correa, Michael A. Taylor, Max Kepler, all between 10 and 11 home runs, all hitting below a 220. That is a bit of an issue. Royce Lewis gets placed on the injured list, and he was the guy that was really moving the line for the scene. But you do have Alex Kurloff, Donovan Solano, both giving you north of a 365 on base. And for the Minnesota Twins, the bullpen let me down for the game against the Baltimore Orioles yesterday. But all in all, Yohan Duran has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. He has been pretty terrific. Giovanni Morin has been a little bit of a roll of the dice for the team as well, but Griffin Jackson has been solid. Jordan Balazovic is able to give you a sub-2 ERA. This is a Twins bunch that is in the top eight in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, and the Kansas City Royals are not in the top eight in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. They are 27th in the league as Taylor Clark has really seen things go down the toilet bowl. So he, Jose Kua, Scott Barlow, all have north of a four ERA. For Nick Whitgren, he's got north of a 5 ERA. They trade away Aroldis Chapman. You just don't have a lot of positivity with this team. I set the Twins more around a minus 250. I think that Joe Ryan is that dominant. I think that the Minnesota Twins should be out there. They should be able to seek and destroy in this one. I do think that they jump all over our good friend at Austin Cox. I might tell it at 8.1. Looking at the over and looking at that Twins run line. 915-916 on the bank board. The Cleveland Guardians play OC Atlanta Braves. Bryce Elder goes for the Bravos. Gavin Williams is on the bump for the Guardians. The Guardians are underdogs of anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135. Meanwhile, anywhere between minus 145 to minus 155, your number on Atlanta. Nine is the total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 115. The overs between minus 110 to a minus 105. And if you're looking at the run line of Atlanta, you're going to be getting that between plus 105 to a plus 112. And I would need more like a plus 118 to take a shot here. I set the Braves at a minus 146. The minus 145 I'm seeing, it is the absolute max I'm willing to lay, but I am willing to lay it. I do think that there's going to be a regression for Bryce Elder. I mean, and credit where credit is due for Bryce Elder. He has done a nice job of using what he's got, being able to have one of the top ERAs really in the National League at a 244. As a matter of fact, among qualifying starters, he's in the top three with that regard, but he does have a fielding independent that is right around 1.4 points higher, 378 fielding independent. Giving up two and a half walks to seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. 
He's only given up 0.8 home runs per nine innings, but has been rather fortunate on balls and play. His train rate has been super duper out there as well. And for Gavin Williams, had a deplorable first start against the Oakland A's, delivers a gem his next time out against the Kansas City Royals. Those are two lesser offenses to say the least. Now the rubber meets the road. You go up against an Atlanta Braves team that leads the National League in terms of runs, home runs, batting average, and on-base percentage with seven different guys that are giving you at least 14 home runs as far as the season. And a bunch that they couldn't have been much more hot than they were that last week. So, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, both between 20 and 21 home runs. And Ronald Acuna Jr., guys, pretty solid with 39 stolen bases, 415 on-base. Yeah, that's terrific. Matt Olson, 28 home runs. And if it wasn't for his teammate in Acuna Jr., he'd be in the MVP race right now. Eddie Rosario has been able to give you 14 home runs. And under the radar, Eddie Rosario has been one of the best hitters in the big leagues over the last three days. 400 on base with nine home runs. I mean, all these guys for the Atlanta Braves, it's just absolutely incredible what they're putting up. Like, Sean Murphy is probably your seventh best hitter with a 390 on base and 14 home runs. It's absolutely ridiculous. And for the Cleveland Guardians... They don't have a single guy with 14 home runs, while the Braves have seven of them. Now, with the Guardians, that does not bother them, because even though they were second worst in the big leagues in terms of home runs last season, they still made the playoffs because they did a good job of moving the line, and they're going to need to get back to that this season. Andre Semenez, Stephen Kwan, Amit Rosario, Oscar Gonzalez all last season, at least a 270. This year, all these guys hitting a 261 or lower with Gonzalez currently spending much of the year at the minor league level. You've got Josh Naylor, Jose Ramirez, combined 23 home runs, both hitting above 290. That's what's all for the team. And Will Brandon and limited at-bats has been able to move the line, hitting about a 275. So you do like to see that where the Guardians are going to need to excel and try to win this game is going to be via the bullpen. As this team has been in the top two in terms of bullpen ERA all season long, and really everyone's been able to deliver. James Karinczak is currently on the injured list, but to me that has not been a downgrade at all as he has not been good this season. The guys that have really delivered all season long have been the likes of Nick Sandlin, Trevor Steven, Eli Morgan, obviously the closer, and Emmanuel Classe, Anil De Los Santos, Sam Antiches. All guys with a 3.05 ERA or better. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, this team does rank in the top 10 in the big leagues. Towards the bullpen ERA as well. Rossi Iglesias was rough coming off the injured list, but he's been able to find it ever since. And Kirby Yates has really been able to come up big in some spots. He's got his ERA back down below a sub-3. Nick Anderson has been able to give you some good, solid innings. Ben Heller, ever since they have been bringing him into the fold, he's been rock solid as well. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower-scoring game. The Guardians, they've been one of the more rough offenses at home all season long, but the pitching has been magnificent. So I do think that the Braves get held down a little bit more in this spot. It did somebody told at 8.3, looking at the under, but I think the Braves do just enough to be able to get it done. Set them at a minus 146 on the money line. So one to lay up to a minus 145 with the Braves and taking a look at the under. 9.17, on the bank where the San Diego Padres playoffs to the LA Angels. I mean, but yeah, it goes for the Angels. We were thinking we were getting Blake Snell for the Padres. As of right now, I am seeing on the betting board to be determined. ESPN still has Blake Snell and I am assuming we are getting Blake Snell when I throw out this projection as I set the Padres at a minus 171. I would need at least a plus 115 to take a shot on the run line with a total of 7.8 to where 7.5 or less looking at the over, 8 or higher to the under. Now, if you don't get Blake Snell, this probably becomes darn near a pick'em game because you probably get some schlub like Ryan Weathers. And boy, you probably don't want any part of Ryan Weathers. But assuming we get Blake Snell, this guy has been absolutely awesome recently. 
you might be able to get Blake Snell versus Shohei Otani when it comes to the 4th of July, but let's hope that it's Snell on this one just because it makes it easier for my projections. But when it comes to Blake Snell, in the month of June, he gave up a grand total of three runs. He gave up three runs in five starts in the month of June, and you date it back even further. His last seven starts, Blake Snell has a 0.86 ERA. His strikeouts per nine rate is well above 11. This guy has been absolutely tremendous ever since that horrible start to the season where he had about a 5.40 ERA through his first nine starts. This guy has found exactly what made him a Cy Young candidate. He's been able to cut down on the walks in this science span. That has been terrific to see. Jaime Berea is coming off of really his first rough start of the year. He gave up five runs in a start against the Chicago White Sox. Has went from being a long guy to being a starter for this team. And across all of his appearances, that was the first time they gave up more than three runs all season long. Now, you figured that regression was coming for Berea. He's got a 292 ERA, but a 460 fielding independent. But now he gets to go up against the San Diego Padres team that's in the bottom three in the National League in terms of batting average as You've been able to have Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. do the thing. These are a pair of guys with a combined 31 home runs. Tatis Jr. hitting well above a 300 over the last 35 days. Juan Soto continues to give you about a 425 on base. These guys have been able to do their part. Sandra Bogarts, he's been a little bit up and down, but he has sung Kim along with when he's been out there. Nelson Cruz, as he's been dealing with some injuries, in between about a 248 to a 258. Manny Machado, since coming off the injury list, he's cooled down a little bit more in recent days, but since coming off the injury list, hitting about a 268, not great, but better than it was towards the start of the season. But you take a look at the bottom of the fold for the Padres, and this is what is truly killing them. The entirety of the catcher spot, Runei Dodor, Jay Cronenworth, Trent Grisham, Matt Carpenter, all these guys hitting a 215 or lower. That's a big reason why the San Diego Padres are currently dead last in the big leagues right now in terms of batting average with runners in scoring position because typically you need the guys at the bottom of the fold to be able to drive them in and they made like your buddy at the bar and have not been able to close. Meanwhile, when it comes to the LA Angels, you've got Shohei Otani who just is lighting the world on fire. 31 home runs, hitting above a 300. This has been absolutely magnificent. But a lot of these home runs are not so home runs because guys are actually getting on base for a Mickey Moniak. As they able to hit darn near a 300 for the team. You've had Brandon Drury hitting about a 275, supplying 14 home runs of his own. Hunter Renfro, 14 bombs, hitting about a 245. Mike Trout, 365 on base, 18 bombs. So you go down the list, and it's been rather impressive the help that he's been able to get, especially from like some Matthias, Chad Wallach in the catcher spot. Wallach has seen a little bit of a downward tumble, but Angels have been able to get good production one through nine. And for the LA Angels, they've actually put together a bullpen. I know that they've had a few bad collapses here this season, but all in all, this is an Angels bullpen that is far better than what it's been in past years. They're ninth in the league in terms of bullpen areas. You've had Sam Bachman, Jose Soriano, Jacob Webb, a couple with your main closer and Carlos Aceves. I'll be able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Chris Ravinsky giving you some solid innings. And then for the San Diego Padres, this team is currently ranked number three in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA. They get Tom Cosgrove back in the fold. He's been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. You've had Nick Martinez be very good in the bullpen as well. We all know what Josh Hader is able to do. Missing Domingo Tapia, Steven Wilson has been a little bit rough for the team, but Brent Honeywell has been able to do a solid job as well. So I do think that this is going to be a well-pitched game. If you do get Blake Snell, want to lay up to a minus 170 on the Padres on the money line, would be willing to take plus 115 or higher on the run line. If you get Ryan Weathers, this probably becomes about a pick game or so. And with Snell out there, 7 half or less, looking at the over, 8 or higher to the under. And if you get, once again, Ryan Weathers out there, this is probably a spot where I'd be setting it to where an 8 half or less, I'd be looking at the over, 9 or higher to the under. So, 
Lots of adjustment if Blake Snell does not make this Saturday. We have things up with 919, 920 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants play as the Seattle Mariners. Brian Wu says woohoo to another start, and it's expected to be Logan Webb for the San Francisco Giants, but that has not been confirmed on the betting board, and this is a number that is currently off the board. DraftKings is projecting as if we are going to be getting Logan Webb, and their projected number right now is the Giants at a minus 125, plus 105 on Seattle, with a total of 6.5, over at minus 125, the under at plus 105, and if we get these numbers out of here at Lovey Las Vegas, I'd be willing to take Logan Webb in this spot as I did set him as a minus 149 favorite. And I'd be willing to take the 6.5 over. I set my total at 6.8. You really just play a dangerous game when you try to take a 6.5 under, in my opinion, just because, well, when you've got a 6.5 under, if both teams get to 3, you've already lost your under bet. That's the biggest thing for me. With Logan Webb, he has always been so masterful when he has been home. And it's not to say that he's been bad on the road or anything like that. Like, on the road, he gives up a little bit less than a home run per nine innings. The ERA is still a four, which is fine, but at home for his career. 289 ERA, 14 home runs allowed in 264 and two-thirds innings. That's about a half a home run per nine innings. And the guy has been absolutely dealing this year. Don't look at the 7-7 seven seven record at 343 ERA. Fielding independence right on par with that. Given up 1.7 walks at 8.6 strikeouts for nine innings. For Logan Webb, he has had a couple of recent hiccups, but all in all, he's leading the National League in terms of just overall innings pitch. He has given up those three-plus runs in four out of his last five starts, but I do think that going up against the Seattle Mariners, a team that ranks in the bottom five in terms of overall batting average, is going to be exactly what he needs to be able to get right. For the Mariners, you do have a pair of guys, Teoscar Hernandez along with Julio Rodriguez, who have been able to combine for about... 28 home runs as far this season. And both of these guys hitting for an okay average. Rodriguez hitting about a 245, 255 for Hernandez, but neither guy's really drawing a lot of walks. Ty France has been really your guy to be able to get on base, right around about a 330 on base along Tom Murphy, but Murphy has been limited with regards to his at-bats. Jared Kelnick, though, last 35 days, hitting below the Mendoza line of 200 with one home run. That has not been too terrific. And then you've got Eugenio Suarez along with Cal Raleigh hitting in the neighborhood about a 222, 225. Both guys, they combine 20 home runs. That's not great. And then Mike Ford, along with Colton Wong, Taylor Trammell, A.J. Pollock, Sam Agerty, all these guys hitting below a 220. That's not great. They tried out Tommy Lastella. That was a big giant flopper Rooney for them as well. So the Mariners have not been able to get a lot of production with that regard. And both of these bullpens have been quite solid thus far this season. You've got a Mariners team that has 10th of the league in terms of bullpen array, but what the Giants have been able to do has been absolutely magnificent. They are up to 6th of the league in terms of bullpen array. When you consider that they, through the first 45 games of the season, they were dead last in the National League in terms of bullpen area, it's even more impressive because you've had both of the Rodgers brothers. You've been able to have Ryan Walker, Camilio Duvall. You just go down the list of guys giving you a sub-3 ERA, and they've all been firing in all cylinders. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Mariners, their bullpen ERA certainly did get heightened with that Bad game on Friday against the Tampa Bay Rays, but all in all, these guys have been able to do a solid job. They've been without Penn Murphy for much of the season, but the likes of Ty Adcock, Justin Topa, Andres Munoz, Taylor Saucedo, your main closer, and Paul Sewald, all being able to give you a sub-325 ERA. That's been able to really help this team out as well. And then for Brian Wu, this guy has been very good at being able to get swings and misses at the minor league level. He's getting 12 punch outs per nine innings. That has translated to the big leagues, 22 and two-thirds innings, 32 strikeouts. Had a deplorable first start against the Texas Rangers. Ever since that very deplorable first start, he has been very rock solid. You take that out of the fold, and he's got an ERA that is a sub-3, so that has been nice. 
base. I do think that he's going to be able to do a nice job of limiting the deep ball moving forward. Has given up three home runs in 22 and two-thirds innings. I think that he's caught a little bit off guard going up against the Texas Rangers. As Pat said, he has been able to do a nice job at the big league level, but you've got a San Francisco Giants lineup that they do a very good job with their platoon splits. Now for the Giants, they average about 1.4 to 1.5 home runs per game on the road compared to just one at home. Much of that is due to the fact that Oracle Park is about as pitcher-friendly as it gets, but the righty-lefty splits with this team is magnificent, and it's a whole is greater than some of its parts team, as Jock Peterson, Wilmer Flores, J.D. Davis, Mikey Stremski, Lamonte Wade Jr., Theria Estrada, all giving between 8 and 10 home runs. Really, every one of these guys has been able to hit at least a 248 as well, including Lamonte Wade Jr., tripping in there a 416 on base, 375 on base for Jock Peterson, Michael Conforto. He leads the way with 12 home runs, but like the overall balance of the San Francisco Giants, and yeah, you know, we get a minus 125, I'd be willing to lay that with the Giants set them at a minus 149, and at a 6.5, I'm looking at the over. I tend to think we're going to get some 7s, and at a 7, that would be my buy point on the under, but at a 6.5, looking at the over, we'll go along with the Giants, and that'll wrap things up. For the Monday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast, a big thanks to our good friend John Jansen, Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you, for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to throw those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast by that five-star review. I am coming at you guys every single day on this podcast, which means I'll be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.